My name is Brandi Ratzliff, and I thought I'd tell you a little bit about me, so you know kind of who's standing up here talking to you. Um, so I have been coming to this church since 1999, so like 19 years. My husband, Travis, and I will have been married 20 years next month. Um, he grew up in this church, and we lived out of state for a year, and then came back and made this place our home. Um, we have three children. Connor is 16, Logan is 14, and Haley is 12, so almost three teenagers at the same time. A little bit different phase of life than a lot of you. There's hope. You'll get there. There'll be freedom again, I promise. Um, what else? Uh, we have spent two years in the Middle East. We partnered with the Life Center um, over there. So from 2011 to 2013, our family of five went over and served in the Life Center. Um, Travis and I were both trained in, we were business majors, but God kind of got a hold of our hearts and um, kind of came to a turning point for us while we were overseas that uh, we wanted to go different directions. So when we came back here to the States, we went on staff at Salem Alliance, actually, as co-pastors of community groups. Um, about a year into that, I decided that um, what I really wanted to do was counseling. So at 38, I went back and got my master's in counseling at Corbin um, and have been practicing at Salem Pastoral Counseling since then. Travis continues here on staff at church. He works with Jennifer Roth and they do um, co-pastors of uh, family and life adult ministries. I think that's the title, I don't know. Um, so that's just a little bit about us. Two really random facts that are actually gonna come into play here today um, that you need to know about me. Um, I spent 16 years of my life doing ballet. So I move a lot. I'll be over here and I'll be over there. Um, and I think in movement and in pictures. So my first outline of this talk was just pictures. I don't draw well, but um, it's hard sometimes for me to put it in words. So um, I have props up here today with me. So you're gonna go along in my crazy journey of movement and pictures. Um, the other random uh, factoid about me is my um, maternal grandparents were deaf. And so they use sign language. So we, uh, my sisters and I, all use our hands a lot. And we're very expressive and demonstrative. So you'll see that all come into play as well. Um, so a little bit about me. Um, who's up here talking to you today? So Jennifer asked me a few weeks back um, if I'd be willing to speak here today. Um, and I felt God prompting me to say yes but I had no idea what I would say. What do I have to talk about? What do I have to say? I don't have any burning message on my heart. So I do what I do to buy time and I say, maybe, let me think about it, let me pray about it. Um, and then freak out session with my husband. Um, and I was like, Travis, I think I'm supposed to say yes, but I don't know what to say. Um, what do I do? He's like, Brandy, you spent all day sitting with women that want help processing life. What are you noticing? Well, I went off for a half hour um, with passion and enthusiasm. He's like, babe, I think you might have something to say. 
Uh, so called Jennifer, said, okay, I'll do it. And then mine went blank, like it does. I'm like, okay, what did I say back then? Um, but God's taken me on a journey these last couple weeks as we put it back together. Um, so what's been on my heart to share, um, well, that he told me was on my heart to share, uh, is kind of building bridges of balance between our life, between our emotions and then this is a really ugly brain, but a brain, our minds, okay? So we're building bridges to find balance between these things. Um, before I jump into it, though, I do want to give a couple disclaimers. Um, this is born out of my own personal experiences. I've kind of tuned into how I process life, and it's also out of sitting with people and watching how they process life. And I'm going to oversimplify and generalize to the extreme. Um, part of my difficulty in figuring out exactly what to say today was that I could come up with exceptions to all these different things that I'm going to talk to you about that don't quite fit. Got to be careful with that. Um, and so I want, I'm like, well, I'll just put it out there for us all, okay? This, these are general brushstrokes, broad brushstrokes. It's super generalized and oversimplified. But I think even in that state, there's nuggets that we can pull out for us to use. If it fits for you, use it. If it doesn't, toss it out. That's okay. Um, and that th this isn't based on research or evidence-based stuff. This is just my observations. It's kind of a work in progress as I begin to kind of put these concepts and these things that I'm noticing into words. So with that being said, here we go. Okay, so two basic ways that I see people processing. You got your brain and you got your heart, your emotions. Um, there's good sides and bad sides to each of these. Neither is right nor wrong. Um, they're just different. Um, I'm going to speak a lot to the, the distress side and the problem side of things. As I was going to bed last night, I'm like, there's so many good things about being a thinker, about using your brain, of using logic to process. And there's really great things about being a feeler and processing out of emotion. And you have that sensitivity and that intuition, and it's a beautiful thing. Rarely do I have people come into my office that are just fine and dandy with everything um, and just want to spend time talking to me. We, we come in because we're stuck. And so that's the, that's the place that I want to speak to. So I'm going to kind of talk about the negative side on each of these, but that's not all there is to the story. Um, so there is a lot of positive on each of these, but we kind of can get into some stuck places. So if you're motivated by the mind and uh, when crisis hits or hurt hits, um, someone that kind of the brain takes over, they're going to be, um, they're going to kind of push down the emotion. They're going to deny the pain. They're going to try to get as far away from that as possible. They might try to work a lot more and stay busy. Um, I see... A lot of parents struggling with kids sometimes, you'll see them work more um, because that's what they know how to do. So they're going to keep doing that and they're staying in the brain space. It can, um, 
tend to be, uh, if there is emotion expressed, it can kind of come out as irritation, impatience, anger, um, staying in that headspace. The interesting thing about the brain is it's a little more culturally and socially acceptable because it's controlled. It flies under the radar. Nobody really knows that you're struggling because you're functioning, because you're getting the kids where they need to go, um, but you're pushing all these emotions down and there's, there's really some chaos in there, but it doesn't show on the outside. So that's just a, some broad strokes against how you, f how you function with your mind. If heart is running the show, it might, you feel. You feel your way through. Um, you can sometimes become overwhelmed by those emotions. It tends to be a little more hard to function in that place. Um, if the thinking comes in, it tends to be a little more distorted. You hear the always and the nevers and the nobody um, loves me type of talk, the extremes. Um, are coming into play. It can tend to present itself a little more depressed. Um, and there's chaos, so guess what? Everybody knows you're struggling, right? Um, so this one becomes a little more ob obvious, um, but both functioning with the brain and functioning with the mind have these stuck places that they can get to. So I wanna tell you a story um, about a time where it was super obvious um, that kind of illustrates each of these points. Uh, I told you my oldest son is 16. Um, when he was four, he was diagnosed with leukemia and set our family on an adventure. There's these defining moments, and that's one I keep coming back to all the time where there's so much that I learned in that season. One of the things that I learned was chaos hits, crisis hits my life, I go brain. I push all the emotions down. Um, I was by myself at the doctor's office with Connor and um, doctor said, your son has leukemia, there's a room for you at, doc at Dornbecker, you need to go. Um, I call my husband and I said, we gotta go, pack the bags. I make a decision on what mode of transportation. I come home, I pack the bag, I get the games, I get the things to keep the kid distracted while we go through all these tests. I get in the car and I drive up there and I find where we're supposed to go and I ask the doctor the questions I'm supposed to ask and I am, there's no emotion. It's all just give me the next thing that I have to do to understand to help my child survive. Total brain. My husband, on the other hand, um, his dad had had cancer a few times by that point. Um, and he had experienced some really horrible things. So I tell him that our son has cancer over the phone. I don't hear words, I hear noise. I hear gut-wrenching cries, all emotional. I come home, nothing's packed. I told you to pack things. And he's calling people and talking and crying and processing emotional. He's shocked and he's stunned and he needs people to enter into that emotional space with him. And so I'm kind of leading the charge and um, we're going and he's just sitting there and he's holding and he's comforting and mama's just all business. Um, and we're getting super irritated at each other because 
Who the heck are you all crying? I need you to function. Who the heck are you, wife, that you're all business and our son has cancer? What's wrong with you? Um, We went into our modes of functioning in crisis. Each had its strength. Each was needed kind of in that place to bring some balance. Um, But it took us, I still remember, we found some stairwell um, that we actually got locked into um, (laughs) while my parents were with our son to talk about what was happening in our marriage at that point. Um, And we realized that we were processing different and that we needed to give each other grace to be in those spaces, whatever that meant. So we weren't going to condemn and argue with each other and expect the other person to come where we were, that we needed our space to process. But that's just an example of how you're, you're processing in brain mode or you're processing in heart mode. Um, and interesting to note and something for you guys to think about, my normal tendency, what I primarily operate with, guess what, is heart. I'm a feeler, I feel and process first, but in crisis, for whatever reason, this goes away and this starts operating, the brain. And my husband, same way, he's a thinker, he's the logic, he brings the stability to our relationship. But in crisis, for whatever reason, he responded emotionally to that place. So we can have different circumstances where one part kind of takes over. We have our predominant, natural way that we respond and then maybe it's the people we're working with maybe it's um, something triggers something from our past and it flips us into the opposite mode of functioning but I do want to give you guys time to interact with this um, to kind of get your minds and hearts around um, this idea so at your tables maybe as I've been talking you've been like what am I? How do I process? How about my spouse? How about my friend? How about this, my kids? But take time to, um, I'll give you about five or so minutes to talk at your tables about how you see yourself processing things, maybe where there's differences in those. So go ahead and talk at your tables. Okay, friends, I'm going to begin to bring you back to me. I love hearing and watching you guys talk and process together. Thanks for entering into that. Are you beginning to kind of identify um, with how you tend to respond? Maybe see differences in where you respond differently? So we kind of have this idea now about how the brain um, helps us process and how the heart helps us process. I want to talk just a tiny bit about those stuck places. Let's keep it the same here. Um, So often what I see, again, this is broad brush strokes. when the, f- the mind has taken over in the processing, um, two, two ways it tends to manifest itself. So much of the emotion has been pushed down. Um, and for 
a significant amount of time that it starts popping up over here and popping up over there um, in ways that we don't really know what to do with it. Um, and so we're like, oh, I'm feeling horrible. I didn't used to feel this way. I used to be able to push this down and function, and now I can't. Um, and so then they want help. Um, people ask for help in that place. I don't know what to do. Or sometimes they've pushed it so, down so long that they don't know how to emotionally connect and they're realizing that something is missing in this process and they want to get back in touch with that. So that's kind of the stuck place. When you're in this stuck place of the mind, guess what you need to bring balance back to your life? You need the truth of your emotional experience. You need the feeling part to help bring you back to center. You need to sit with the pain of the things that you buried and actually feel them. It's a good place to bring a friend in to that place and talk about that and have it sit with you in that space. But what the mind needs when it is stuck in its place of shoving this stuff down is someone to help them sit in that place and feel that emotion and that feeling and bring it back to center. So, but you can guess what happens on the other side. So when we are led by our emotions, the stuck place that I see oftentimes is the emotion is just welling out all over the place and we can't push it down. We can't um, stop it anymore and it's affecting our functioning. Guess what's needed in the stuck place here? The sound mind. The truth of a sound mind is needed in that emotional place to bring back to center. So part of my job as a counselor is I'm sitting with people are like, are they in the brain space and they need help feeling the feeling? Or are they in the heart place and they need some stability and sound mind to come in and help bring that equilibrium? And um, the place that we get to be as believers in Jesus Christ, we have access to a whole new power, <laughs> okay? So the cross, Christ, bringing balance to all of this. He created us, mind, body, soul, heart, spirit, that we're meant to be in this balanced place. And he helps us, he can help us when we're here in the mind space with him to sit in the emotion. He actually invites us into that place. When we're here in the heart space, he can come into that place and give us his truth that brings us back to that centered place of knowing him. Um, so I wanna go through some of those examples because it's beautiful. The Bible gives us examples of both. Um, so for one, the heart. We'll talk about the heart a little bit. Jesus himself, here's permission to feel. Um, Lazarus has died. This is from John 11. And Jesus seems Mary or Martha, I forget which one now, coming. says, saw her weeping. And the Jews who had come along with her also weeping. He was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. And then the shortest verse in the Bible that we all know. Jesus wept. Okay? Permission to feel. This is a normal response. This is good. It brings balance in our life when we are, allow ourselves to feel. 
and we get God doing it with us. He did it himself. Another example is from Job, the suffering servant. Now, he gets down and dirty with it. He just gets it all out there. He does not hold back. He says, therefore, I will not keep silent. I will speak out in the anguish of my spirit. I will complain in the bitterness of my soul. Later on in Job 10, he says, I loathe my very life. So I will give free reign to my complaint. Okay, permission, authentic processing, feeling it. It's important that we allow ourselves to do that, to feel it. Psalms, David in Psalm 22, I'm going to use Psalm 22 um, again, but he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me, so far from the words of my groaning? God, I cry out to you day after day, but you do not answer. Raw with his emotional experience. Permission to be in that place. Here's uh, one caveat to that, okay? Um, Some of what I notice in scripture and some of what I notice in the counseling office and what I really know personally is there is a healthy way to process this place and there's an unhealthy way to process this place. When I go with God in my emotions and I'm pouring it out to him, there's health, there's release, there's he's doing something with that thing. When I turn my back on him and I go out here and I'm complaining against him, I'm getting further and further away. I'm getting further in my stuck place. It's going to unhealthy places. It's kind of illustrated in Numbers 14 where it talks about the Israelites. They've been set free from Egypt. They've watched God do all these miraculous things. And then things don't go quite right and they start grumbling. And they grumble against him. And what do they get? 40 years in the desert. When we complain and grumble against him and without him, it takes us to desert places, people. It really does. I know, I've lived there. But all that is really needed, I don't think we we grumble against him once and that's it for 40 years, forget it. Um, That all it takes is a turning back towards and allowing him into that process with our heart. Uh, that the healthy processing begins. So yes, emotional processing is absolutely needed to be authentic with your emotional experience, to do it with God, let him into that journey. Um, But it will cost you something if you go this way on your own, okay? Just saying. Okay, so now the mind permission, examples in the Bible where it brings um, the mind into play. So this is from Romans 12, 2. It says, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Something powerful happens when we think on his truth, when we allow his truth to renew our mind, to right that distorted thinking that can come in. Philippians 4, 8 says, whatever is true, 
whatever is noble, whatever is right, pure, lovely, admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think on these things. Engage the mind. This is an important place. It's an important piece of our processing, okay? And I love this one because it brings them both in. Um, it's Philippians 4, 7. What we know is the don't be anxious part. I was processing with my husband this talk and he's like, but Brandy, do you know what it says before that? And I thought this was pretty significant. It says rejoice in the Lord. The Lord is near. So you get Jesus. Then it says, don't be anxious. He didn't just say, don't be anxious people. Don't be anxious people. Stop your fret and stop your worrying. It's like the Lord is near. Rejoice in that. That will help you not be anxious for anything. But in prayer and petition with thanksgiving, bring those things to him. And the peace of God, which is what we long for, right? The peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Both are necessary. Talk to our, our, our emotional state, our mental state, our spiritual state, bringing these all into balance. The other part that's particularly crucial in this processing and finding balance in these ways that we process is an eternal uh, perspective. Okay, back to this one, Jesus, the cross. There is something powerful that happens when we, we're sitting here, we're analyzing the mind, the heart, um, our feelings, our thoughts, um, and we're kind of down here focused, a little bit myopic thinking, okay? There's something transformational that happens when we lift our eyes up to Jesus. I love the words to this song, say, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth, huh, brain, heart, ourselves, will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and his grace. There's something, mm, I don't even know the word. There's no word to contain it that happens when we fix our eyes on him and we let him help with this process. One of the neat things Another friend that was helping me process, you can tell I was kind of stuck. Um, I was talking about the mind and the heart, and I was talking about me, and I was talking about Jesus. And she said, Brandy, you're making a cross. You got your heart and your mind and you and Jesus, and you've got a cross. And Jesus is our biggest bridge builder in this place of finding balance. Um, so... Here's my story with it. Told you about my son Connor with cancer. Uh, the funny thing is, and I'm operating in a brain space, I told you that that's not my typical way of functioning. Because it's not, I didn't get stuck in the brain space. That was just coping to get out of it. My emotions kick back in and they bring me back here. Well, then this went silent, my brain went silent, and I just got deeper and darker in my depression about what was happening to my son. 
Same with my husband. He initially responded to crisis with heart, um, but because that's not his normal way of functioning, he didn't get stuck there. The brain entered the picture again, and it brought him back to center. Um, so that's kind of my working theory right now, that uh, if we operate in a different way than we normally do, we probably won't get stuck there. It's our normal tendencies that lead to those stuck places. So I'm in my stuck place, feeling, 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 and I'm um, kind of mad at God. And I still remember, I'm running on my treadmill in my garage and I'm angry and I'm saying, if you take him, God, if you take my son, don't you dare. If you do, and then I heard him say, then what? Then what? If I take your son, what? Are you gonna renounce your faith in me? No, kind of need you. I, I kind of know that you exist and that you're my savior. So then what? Oh, then I guess I'll be sad and I'll be angry. And he's like, Brandy, let's go there. You want to go there? We'll go there. And he showed me a picture of my worst case scenario. If God takes my son Connor, then what? He opened heaven for me. My first kind of experience with a picture from God. He showed me heaven. I had lost a baby four months before Connor was diagnosed. Um, and my sister, while we were in the hospital with Connor, was 20 weeks pregnant and she lost her son and had to deliver him stillborn that same week. Um, my mom had lost a baby before me um, and the picture that God showed me, I saw my baby May, I saw my sister's baby Daniel, I saw my mom's baby, um, and I saw Connor up in heaven, and they were doing Ring Around the Rosie with Jesus, but without such depressing lyrics. Uh, they were singing, and they were laughing, and they were dancing, and their heads were thrown back at just this throaty laugh, just joy. They were so just enraptured by their Savior. There was no suffering. There was no pain. They weren't going, I wonder how mom is doing down there. They were just in heaven. As a parent, isn't that what we want the most? You know, for our kids to be happy and to be safe and to be with Jesus. Um, and he's like, Brandy, that's your worst case scenario. And it hit me just what kind of hope we have in him. Okay, this life is super hard. You're experiencing places of pain in your own life, and it is hard. And you need to cry out in anguish um, about where you're at. You're thinking on these things. <clears throat> but he did not, it's not just here. There's this eternal perspective, this hope that he died for, for you and for me, so that this isn't the end of the story that we get all eternity in this beautiful place that has no more pain and suffering. And he gave me a little glimpse in that, say, that's what I died for, Brandy. That's what I give you hope for. So yes, 
this is gonna hurt, but know this is coming. And not only is it gonna be your promise in the future of these things to come, but I give it to you here and now. I'm with you while you're processing your pain. And I'm with you while you're thinking through it on a logical level. I'm with you in all of it, and I'm gonna help you bring balance to all these places. And then one day I'm gonna fix it all. I'm gonna restore you to complete fullness and wholeness in me. So don't give up, people. Um, I'm going to give you time to kind of process your stuff with God. I know how it is. It, you go get your kids, you run home, it's all crazy, and you don't really think about this stuff anymore. Um, so we're going to do laments, something Steve and Trina taught um, my husband and I while we were in Jordan. Um, it's modeled after what you find in the Psalms and what you find in Lamentations. There's three parts to it. And it, I love it. I use it with clients all the time because it brings in the heart piece and the head piece um, and the Jesus piece, of course. And those parts are God, I feel. I feel. And you get real and you get honest with where you're at in a particular situation. He can handle it all. He already knows, so it's actually you being honest with yourself in that place. And then the next piece of, is it, of it is, God, but you are. God, I feel, but you are. I'm gonna choose to remember your truth. I'm gonna choose to remember your promises, who you say you are, how you've been faithful in the past. This is how I feel, but this is what I know to be true about you. And that's sometimes where the eternal perspective comes into play. And then there's the so I will. There, it requires a, a response in us eventually. Maybe it's a posture, maybe it's an action, but a so I will might look like, so I will praise you even though I'm hurting. So I will trust you even though I can't see what's coming down the road. So I will. So God I feel, but you are, so I will. There's not really... Um, you walk through a lament. You do these three parts. It's not like, I'm fixed. I'm done. I never have to revisit that again. And, you know, I wrote down this part. Then the next minute, I'm back on truth. And the next minute, I've got my action item and done. Uh, this is a process. This can be a very long process sometimes. Sometimes we're in the God I feel for months. And we, it's really hard to do the, the um, God, but you are. Sometimes that's how coming to church and being with a body of believers can help give us some of that. Having a friend walk with us can help balance some of that out for us. Um, but it's okay if you're in this space and struggling for a while. Same here. God, you are. God, you are. Huh. Sometimes I feel like we run to that place because we're good Christians and so God you are and we're denying the but I feel part. Um, but sometimes this is where we need to be. Like I really can't 
look at my feelings right now. I just have to survive and I'm gonna keep going to this. Um, you, God, you are. Eventually I'll get back here. That's okay too. Um, so there's no timeline for this. This isn't a one-time fix-all type of experience. This isn't actually a fix of anything. It's just a way to process what's going on in your life. Um, I mentioned Psalm 22 earlier. I really like this one because it's pretty clear in this God I feel, but you are. And I almost laugh when I read it because it's, uh, I'll, give, I'll read it. Um, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me? And then later, yet you are enthroned as the Holy One. You are the praise of Israel. In you our fathers put their trust. But I am a worm and not a man, scorned by men and despised by the people. Later on, yet you brought me out of the womb. You made me trust in you. Many bulls surround me, strong bulls, roaring lions, tearing their prey. Okay, he's going, I feel you are, I feel you are, you, I feel you are, over and over again. Um, and I find that helpful to know that other people are just like me. They struggle in these places. There's permission to feel and then there's truth declared. And it doesn't necessarily automatically take away the feeling. It's just this balance this balance as we process. And then he eventually gets to, in verse 22, I will declare your name to my brothers in the congregation. I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. So it's this whole sequence. No time frame, just a way for you to process. So you have the, the papers at your table. You'll get about 10 minutes or more to process. I actually have to go to work, um, so I won't be back up here to kind of close things down. So instead, I would like to um, pray for you as you get started on this process, okay? Dear God, these are your precious daughters. You are intimately acquainted with where they're at in life right now. You know their joys, you know their sorrows, you know their pain. You know if they're processing with their mind, you know if they're processing with their heart. You know what's needed to bring balance into their life. So God, I pray that you begin and continue your work in their heart. Let this lament be a tool, a way that they connect with you. They allow you to help walk them through the pain places, the feelings, the truth of who you are and what you're about. I pray that, the, that your presence, the peace of your presence, the comfort of your presence just rain down on them in this space. And let the healing begin and continue. Thank you for loving us the way you do. Thank you for giving us eternal hope. Thank you for giving us Emmanuel, God with us in the middle of it. In Jesus' precious name, amen.